It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One for three. One for three or yeah, one and that's two? That's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 724 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Tuesday, June the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get $10 off your first order Promo code locked on at builtbar.com for 10 bucks off. More on them later. Uh, all right, on today's show, we are going to finally address the news that came down in the middle of last week that the NBA has a uh, sort of concrete plan to return. It's not totally full, you know, fleshed out, it's not uh, entirely perfect. There are certainly some things to quibble with and some things to be downright concerned about. Um, but we're going to get into all of that. It didn't feel right last week to talk about basketball. And honestly, it still feels weird now, considering the protests have not gone anywhere. There's actual change taking place this week. And the conversation, uh, rightfully, is still going on. And it should be going on for a very long time uh, until things are systemically changed. But we are a basketball podcast. We are a Raptors podcast. So we have to address the news at some point here. And joining me to talk about the NBA's return plan, the 22 teams, and our concerns with it, if they exist at all, is our good pal, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. Uh, just trying to get through another day. This is, yeah, no, I, I think it started to get to me where I, th- I thought I was doing a good job for the first few months, and now uh, I think I'm 
trying to change my routine just to get out of sort of things getting a bit too mundane now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've all got a part to play in this. So it is what it is. Just got to deal with it and find a better way. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I found that like every month or so I'll kind of change up my weekly routine um in terms of like what i prioritize each day i found that it helps a little bit it's also nice having little touchstones throughout the week like having a basketball to do with katie every thursday has been nice it's like oh yeah thursday's fun i, I can guarantee thursday's gonna be cool i know i have like friend trivia that we do on like friday nights and stuff like that as well which kind of keeps it sane but yeah the the sort of monotony of the same shit for every day is uh is a lot but yeah it's uh We'll get through it. We're almost there, I think. Maybe. I don't know. The sign of the NBA is coming back maybe is a sign that um, things are better down the line. I'm not entirely sure. But let's get into that, Vivek. The NBA announced last week it's sort of half planned for how to return. Uh, July 31st is the date they're aiming for. Of course, at the Magic Basketball Kingdom at Disney World in Florida. Um, there's going to be 22 teams, apparently like 1,600 people total. Families not allowed to show up until seven weeks into it, apparently, which is weird and uh, something that maybe is a, a bit of a bugaboo for me in thinking about this plan. And then, you know, you've got the, the playoffs and all that scheduled out October 12th, presumably the last day of the finals if it goes seven. Uh, lots to dive into here, Vivek. I'm just sort of wondering your initial response when it came down that the NBA had this plan, uh, concerns, things you liked. What's your overall impression of it? Yeah, I'm a little frustrated that my anticipation of what would come first was a clear health outline in terms of how the bubble was going to work and how players are going to be able to get through this and have their concerns addressed. And we've seen very little of that. Uh, obviously, we, we've seen information about how, uh, you know, people, in terms of the mobility that players will have in uh, the bubble. I mean, through reports, nothing official. And we know that, as you said, the family members can join them after the first round of the playoffs. So I guess, you know, that's, that's a numbers thing where it's like, okay, you'll have so many teams eliminated and now you can have the family in. Uh, but yeah, I would have just liked more clarity in terms of the overall picture. And as far as the actual return to play is concerned, 22 teams, I get what they're trying to do. Um, obviously, there's money to be had from resuming this regular season, so they're catering to that. Uh, I don't think the Wizards have a real shot. Things are interesting with the Western Conference. Uh, again, I have doubts over the actual play-in in terms of catering to all the teams, uh, especially since they say if the eighth and ninth seed is within four games, um, mm. then, you know, we see in the Western Conference, it's, it's more than just the ninth seed that's uh, within four games right now. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to work either. I do appreciate that there is a bit of a runway uh, before the postseason. I think that's important because mm. I do think that's going to operate as sort of a preseason for most of these teams that are set in their positioning. And uh, they'll use that to ramp up to game one of the postseason and then go from there. But yeah, uh, I can only hope that they've done the work and I can only hope that they will continue to do the work to make sure that this goes along as smoothly and safely as possible. Yeah. I mean like the quippy line all along from Adam Silver was they were going to have, they didn't need a date. They needed data. 
And now we're sitting here and we have a date, but not really any data on how they're going to uh, execute this, what the cost of it is all going to be in terms of testing. Um, you know, are, are they going to be able to get tests and acquire tests in a morally sound way that doesn't deprive the rest of the population of the tests they so desperately need? You know, we've seen Florida in the last couple of weeks here after reopening measures uh, have a spike in cases. And it seems like every new day there's a, a new high in cases that Florida is setting. So how do you factor all of that in? It's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I guess it's worth noting that it seems as though America has kind of given up on fighting the virus as well, which uh, is a big bummer and maybe not terribly surprising considering, uh, you know, people like NBA owners and everyone else pushing to reopen stuff because money kind of rules all. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned the 22 teams that it, that's one of the big things to me. It's like, what the hell are the Suns and Wizards doing here? I know the you know every logical thing about this is always the answer as well that makes the owners more money so whatever fine i, I guess you know we're 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 it's part of the deal to put up with uh, insane capitalist intentions when you are an nba fan that's just kind of the deal and you can't separate the two but it does feel like a little bit excessive to have those teams. I was totally fine all along with 1-16. to 16. That seemed like the most safe to me. The teams on the outside of the playoffs looking in were far enough out that I didn't really feel bad for them for not being close enough. You know, I'm sorry to the Wizards or the Pelicans or whatever, but if you can't win more games than the Orlando freaking Magic or the uh, group of children that is the Memphis Grizzlies, then you probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But they're going to get the chance either way. You know, the Suns and Wizards have very little chance of making it. Uh, I think a lot of the, the models that have been run kind of suggest that it's a, it's a really, really tough road for them to climb. Um, I do like the idea, though, you mentioned the sort of uncertainty as to how they figure out tiebreakers in the Western Conference in particular, considering there are a lot of teams that are kind of at the exact same record right now. Some of them will have played different numbers of games by the end of the year. That's a thing to sort of keep in mind. Um, and I'm sure the NBA is hoping for the cleanest possible finish to this, but I do kind of like the idea in theory, if they were to, you know, <laughs> try to give all these teams a shot, if they were all tied like three games back at the Grizzlies, maybe some sort of like human centipede tournament where <laughs> you have the 12 plays the 11 in a double elimination and then the 11 plays the 10, this would take weeks to play, but it's not going to happen. But that'd be kind of fun to think about. But these are the things like the, all of these little absurdities are part of this plan and you know it's it's not perfect by any means i think they did a pretty good job of giving the eight seeds a, a you know a tilted advantage to making it in because they deserve it but um you know i think it is a little bit excessive and unnecessary you could have had 16 teams or even 20 teams with those close western conference teams and, and zion included in that group and played eight regular season games to close out the year for seeding and still have it be fine. I think it's 22 seems like a lot, but um, I get it. There's lots of things to weigh and consider, blah, 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 blah. Um, going back to the health stuff, though, I mean, that is the main thing. That is the number one thing. And there's been a little bit in terms of details that have come out over the last little while here uh, in terms of how testing is going to work and how quarantine and stuff is going to work. But, and we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to tell people about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, 16 amazing flavors and more flavors all the time. And they have chocolate nut and chocolate nut free flavors. So if you are a nut free person, you can eat Built Bars, no problemo. Bars are covered in 100% dark chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious person, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Some of my favorites include 
all of their banana offerings. They have like a banana chocolate cream that is awesome. They have a banana nut bread, which is great. I also love the toffee almond. And all of these bars across the board, uh, Built Bars have seven times less sugar than Cliff Bars, which is crazy. And also, you don't get the weird gritty taste that Cliff Bars leave in your mouth. Like you're eating sand that's been compacted into a bar. You're eating a nice Built Bar, which basically tastes like a Mars bar. It has the same consistency. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word. And you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, All right, Vivek, let's get into the health stuff here because this is the big one, right? This is... You know, the, the viability of this entire bubble depends on their, their plans to keep people safe and keep testing up to a certain standard and, you know, all the moral ambiguities that come with that as well, I guess are worth discussing too. But you know, over the last little while, some of the purports that have come out, again, all very disparate, no real hard information, and we're still waiting on things like schedule and a lot of other things. So, you know, in fairness, maybe the NBA doesn't have all the stuff ready to go and they just are kind of figuring out as they go along, which is not great. Uh, if you look at it from another side of things. But in terms of the health stuff, some of the reporting that's come out, uh, apparently it's going to be 30, 36 hours if someone tests positive at, as a minimum to isolate. Um, and I believe also 36 hours to isolate, sorry, 36 hours to isolate upon arriving in the bubble. There'll be testing involved in there. And then I think it's 10 days to isolate if you actually contract the virus. Um, there's going to be testing, temp- temperature checks, things like that. Apparently, there's going to be social distancing uh, in terms of where people sit on the bench, which seems silly considering this is a sport where people uh, play within six feet of each other at all times. And if you're not, it's because you have had a horrible defensive breakdown in all likelihood. Uh, and so <laughs> there's that to consider. Um, I, I don't know, man. This all feels way too pie in the sky and i still kind of think it's not going to happen considering all of the hurdles to overcome but i'm wondering what you think of the at least the trickling out details of how they're going to handle this from a health perspective the basketball is secondary honestly uh, because if they can't keep this bubble contained it kind of feels like like it's not going to happen it just doesn't seem likely and you know the number of people who test positive if you get more than just a couple, I mean, you're re- running the risk of stars getting it. Not to say stars are more valuable to lives or more valuable to role players, but for the on-court product, yeah, like you don't want to be having LeBron and Giannis in a finals both missing it because they have the virus. What the hell is even the point of that, right? So I'm curious where you kind of lie on all the health stuff that we've seen so far, the very sparing details that we have. Yeah, I think the point you hit on earlier is the big concern about you see the cases going up in Florida. And so are you taking away tests from people who really need it? And uh, as far as the players are concerned, I don't know how much their concerns have really been addressed. And I think if they were, all of that would have been made public by now. And so, uh, yeah, I I am definitely um, sort of put off by the fact that you know, again, they made, Adam Silver made it clear uh, that it was going to be, uh, you know, about data, not the date. And yet, you know, the only thing that uh, seems to matter now is the financial data. 
And so uh, this is, you know, the, the other thing I've been thinking about, because initially I was like, hey, the Bundesliga is back and these leagues are, you know, starting to kick up again. The EPL will be back June 17th. And it, there haven't been any issues there. Uh, but the other big thing to keep in mind with, with soccer is the fact that it's an outdoor sport. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's plenty of information out there at this point uh, in terms of being confined into a closed space as opposed to being out in the open. And so I think that's another risk that I don't know that the NBA is popular, uh, you know, properly addressed. And again, that's information we don't have if they have addressed it. And what are the risk factors involved with that? So, yeah, they seem to have measures in place in terms of what will happen if it happens. But they definitely haven't addressed, again, you know, the possibility of things not going according to plan. And, you know, I would have liked if Adam Silver made it clear that, hey, we have put all these plans in place, but there's also a possibility that we won't be able to go ahead and mm-hmm. that things might happen. And so the only responsible thing to do in that situation would be to call it off. And so I think to completely, you know, throw that possibility out the window and say, we're just going to march through this thing and um, battle through. I, I, I think that's a wrong message to send by all means. If, 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 if everything goes smoothly, uh, it'll be great if the league can be back uh, and run the whole season. But, I think you've at least got to be open to the possibility that things could go wrong and things could go the other way. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just as likely as of right now. And I'm not an epidemiologist, but just sort of looking at all of the challenges and hurdles, I think it's just as likely that the season doesn't happen, that it does happen. Um, And, you know, some of the things that have to be answered, I mean, there's not just players in this. In theory, like if you're thinking about, you know, how quarantine has worked and stuff like that, you could say, all right, everybody comes in, everyone flies in, say, July 1st, everyone quarantines and self-isolates for 14 days, and then, you know, hey, you're all set. 14 days, if no one's sick, great. But it's not that simple because there are, you know, owners, there are media people who I'm sure are going to be invited to this bubble. There are going to be the people who have to work behind the scenes, which no one seems to be talking about, but to me is one of the most important things in all of this is the people who are behind the scenes in a country where there's uh, 40 million people out of work and who are not going to really be at the liberty to say, no, I can't take this work in the Magic Basketball Kingdom, so I'm going to go work, but they're going to be putting themselves at risk, and that's extra people who are involved here. Like, I don't think the entire NBA process is going to be like self-starting, and they're not going to have the, the, like, the players making themselves food and cleaning their own rooms and stuff like that. That doesn't seem... I mean, maybe they are, and if that's the case, and you're limiting you know, the, the need for outside workers, then I guess that's one way to sort of mitigate the risk but we haven't heard anything about that so i'm just under the assumption that they're going to be people who have to work behind the scenes here not even just you know like workers and hotel workers and hospitality folks but people who work in in the arena and like maintenance staff and stuff like that there's so many people who are going to be in here there's going to be so many points of risk and you know it sounds really clean and simple like oh yeah just stick them all in quarantine for 14 days and bring them out and everybody's fine but it's not that simple because there's just so many more bodies and, and things to consider here that it just, and none of that seems to have been talked about by anybody whatsoever right now. And then on top of all of this, all of the questions about health, you have the concern about 
um, you know, what does this do to the current social movement that's going on right now? And what's the desire of players to, you know, come and play? I mean, if you sent out that anonymous text again to everybody asking if they want to play, I, I almost guarantee you that in light of the George Floyd protests, that there would be a, a larger number of players who say, no, it's not worth it right now. Patrick Beverly himself came out last week and said, what are we doing here? I mean, this is not important at the moment. And I think that really checks out. And I do wonder, you know, how much the NBA is considering that. And yes, I, I know, there, you know, some teams and the Raptors, I believe today, Nick Nurse was talking about how, you know, the team can use this as a platform. Uh, you know, Masai Ujiri has talked on CTV National News about how he thinks if sports are around, it'll sort of help amplify the messaging. But I think there's the possibility for the other side of things. We've seen players out marching and protesting and it's been inspiring and beautiful to see. And just to take that away, that option away from players when this might be the biggest social movement we've seen since the civil rights movement, like that seems like just so misguided and ill-timed and not fair to the players who clearly a lot of them have their minds in other places right now. So that's something else to consider. I don't know, anything more on that or health concerns before we kind of get into the back part of the show here, Vivek? Uh, I, I would just say maybe the only thing, and again, I'm not entirely optimistic that that happens, but maybe the NBA can recognize that they do have a unique platform with a majority black league. Uh, and so uh, if and when the league resumes, if they can be conscious of that and consistently send out a message um, and sort of use that platform of, you know, being broadcast all over the, all over the world, uh, and use that opportunity to send messages and raise awareness Then I think that can be a positive. Um, and so that is possibly an avenue that the players could use to express themselves, um, outside of the way that they've been doing it through these protests. So, yeah, I would just add that as a potential opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot to consider uh, health and socially wise. And it's, I mean, none of us have the answers here on this year podcast. Uh, I'm just putting it out there as things that should be considered. Um, we're going to get into the back part of the show uh, and sort of talk about how this all affects the Raptors. And in particular, someone who uh, got really hot, apparently. Uh, we're going to talk about Marcus Saul becoming a uh, big Spain daddy uh, over the course of the last few months, apparently, and a whole bunch more in terms of the ramp up for the Raptors as it pertains to the return to play. But first, I want to tell people about Blinkist, which is a really unique app that I think right now can be put to excellent use. Blinkist is a great way to work on personal development and to, for you to get information that you might not otherwise have time to absorb. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know info from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to listen to it as well. You get those 15-minute doses of a, of a book that you wanted to read during your commute, your lunch break, while you exercise, whatever it is, you can do it. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and, uh, massive and growing library from self-help and health to business and history books as well. The history ones, particularly right now in this moment, very important if you're trying to educate yourself. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers list, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never 
never had time to. And again, right now, as people are trying to educate themselves on the reasons why these protests are taking place and the history and the centuries of systemic oppression that have gone on uh, for black people in North America, it's really important for you to get educated. And there's so much, there's so many reading lists out there right now. Maybe it seems overwhelming. You can't read the full length of all of these books. Blinkist can help you get the key points of those books if you can't, if you don't have the time to read the full things, although you should read the full things if you have the time. Uh, in terms of books that are available right now that can help in this sort of time and you're trying to educate yourself and get up to speed, there's uh, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad you should check out. There's also The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, uh, highly recommended as well. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you will also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, Vivek, let's sort of take a look at this from the Raptors side of things, and we'll use uh, Marc Gasol's ample pecs as the diving board to get into this conversation. Uh, it dropped over the weekend a photo of him, uh, presumably in Spain with a fan, uh, looking tan, looking cut, looking svelte, no more rosé gut on him. Um, wondering your thoughts when you saw the picture of hot Marc Gasol come across the wire. Yeah, Marc Gasol looked great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> about as good as I've ever seen him look. So, um, I, you know, you have to think that bodes well for the Raptors. And uh, I think this break, if, if there is someone that it did provide an advantage to, it would be Mark. You think about the year that he's had in terms of the, cha- you know, the championship season, uh, and then going straight into. Uh, training camp with Spain and then winning the FIBA World Cup and then coming back and getting started with the Raptors again. And it was this has been sort of a stop-start season for him throughout dealing with injuries. Uh, and I think this may have just given him a chance to refresh and reset. And so I think he'll be raring to go uh, once the season resumes if everything goes according to plan. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what he's got because his impact on both ends of the floor for the Raptors, offensively, defensively, I, I think he's always a step or two ahead uh, of, you know, on both ends of the floor, 
whether it's offense, whether it's defense. We saw that super cut that uh, William Liu put out, and you see the way he's able to direct traffic, uh, you know, using those little head nods to get players moving, and then he's able to find them. He's always a step or two ahead of the defense. And then when he's anchoring the Raptors' defense on the other end, you see him barking out instructions all the time. You see him anticipating what's coming and, and making sure that people are in the right spots uh, to make sure the Raptors can get, get a stop. And so I think all those things uh, that he brings to the table, he's obviously a huge component in uh, winning the championship. And I'm sure Embiid is somewhere just crying into a pillow looking at that picture. <laughs> Why is he so handsome? And also my, my personal kryptonite, this is unbelievable. At least at one point, he was only one of those things. Um, <laughs> that's not fair. Marcus has always been handsome. Um, the uh, Yeah, I mean, so I, I've been longing to watch Marc Gasol for a while now, probably amplified by the fact that he missed so much time this year. We didn't get to spend that much with him. Um, you know, I miss watching Pascal Siakam and, and Kyle Lowry quite a bit, but Gasol's, I think, the guy I miss most and the guy I'm most excited to see, you know, when this dubious startup actually takes place. And I, I can't wait. He, you know, assuming the hamstring stuff is behind him, he's just so important to the team. And I think the fact that he makes their defense so prehensile and so adaptable. And, you know, he can be out there as a seven-footer who's not exactly fleet of foot necessarily in a traditional sense and still sort of the Raptors can maintain their absurd defense and their, their, their versatility and their switchability and all that stuff. And, you know, Gasol can come up and hedge high and all that. It just – it makes them formidable. It makes them a problem for any team in the postseason because, you know, if you're an excellent defensive team – that's going to travel. That's going to carry over against any opponent. It'll be a matter of scoring on teams like Milwaukee, but uh, the defense is never going to be a problem, especially when Gasol's out there just being his you know, perennial defensive player of the year caliber self. Um, and, and sort of this led me to think, and I've been thinking about this for a while, especially as it pertains to the Raptors, because they are a little bit of an older team. Yes, they have younger core pieces, but you know, Abaka, Lowry, Gasol, these guys are a little bit longer in the tooth. And I'm curious how this startup, this ramp up is going to affect them and how it's going to uh, sort of play into, you know, the way the team approaches the early the eight games before the postseason ramps up. Um, last week, you know, in my chat with Javon Shepard, who was on on uh, Thursday, we kind of were talking as the news broke that the plan to return had been released. And a lot of that conversation is kind of outdated now because we didn't really have all the details or any of the details that are currently out. We still don't have all the details, of course. But, um, but we did talk about one thing that I was interested in his perspective as a person who used to play high-level pro basketball what the ramp up is going to be like for these guys. And if he has any concerns, let's listen into what Javon had to say uh, about Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry in general and the Raptors in general uh, returning after such a long layoff, especially at their age. You know what? My biggest concern again is, is we, it's an older team, right? Like you ramp it up, ramp things up so quick. Are we, you know, putting ourselves at, at jeopardy, not just the Raptors for, for exposing ourselves to, potential injury right like and I think that's the side of me that's still commenting from the player perspective because you know as soon as things start we're going 100 miles per hour right and, and we've been off guys have been off haven't been able to train um you know it's hard to simulate five on five play playing at that that intensity in your home doing push-ups and you know jogging around your block 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I'm most concerned, and, and wondering, you know, given we, we are a slightly older team, does that put us at a disadvantage? So, Vivek, that's what a uh, former professional athlete had to say about that. Uh, I'm wondering how you feel about the Raptors and their ability to kind of ramp back up here without too much injury. I mean, every team is in the same boat. I just feel like it's particularly pertinent to keep an eye, keep an eye on here for the Raptors because of Lowry and Gasol and their advanced age. Uh, and you could take it either way. I mean, you could say this is a great way for the Raptors to have gotten some rest as a team that was beaten up and guys have carried insane loads, filling in for injured guys, and maybe you're avoiding something like the 2015 playoffs where Kyle Lowry was just so beat down from carrying the team all year that he couldn't you know, do it in the postseason. At the same time, you know, there's a chance for soft tissue injuries and hamstrings and all this stuff. I'm wondering how you feel about the Raptors and their sort of level of equippedness to get the team, you know, into Orlando and get them to the postseason relatively injury-free. Yeah, I think coaching is a big factor here, and I trust Nick Nurse to help these guys ramp up in the right way and almost use it like a preseason where – uh, you sort of just feel out the first few games, and then as you're getting closer to game one of the postseason, then you start to ramp up the minutes and you start to get guys, uh, give guys a feel of what the playoff rotation will look like. Uh, and I don't think you'd see that until the final couple of games. Uh, I think, you know, this isn't a Tom Thibodeau situation where he's just going to run guys out there right from the get go. I think we've seen over the past couple of seasons, he understands when to just call off practices, uh, whether it's after, you know, uh, a win that he's happy about or a tough loss where he can just see the guys just, you know, maybe just need the night, the day off the next day or whatever it may be after a long road trip, those types of things. So I think he reads those situations well. Um, and I think that's important. I mean, we even saw in the last dance, uh, one of those scenes where Michael Jordan, was talking about Phil Jackson and saying, Hey, you know, Phil gets it when he was saying, Hey, you guys go ahead and have your day. And, uh, you know, the, that need to release every once in a while, I think Nick nurse gets it. And I think he, he, he's, he'll get it even more in a situation where all these players are sort of cooped up in this bubble. Um, I don't think he's going to put them, uh, at risk with their bodies beyond anything that they just should be doing on the regular in terms of practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the older guys will be fine. The only one that maybe you got to, you know, put a leash on a little bit, you know, Kyle Lowry, he's going to be balls to the wall right from the get-go because he doesn't know any other way. Uh, so maybe you got to be a little careful <laughs> with what he's doing, you know, taking charges right from game one. But, uh, again, I, I, I trust the players. I trust uh, Nick Nurse uh, to – just manage the situation the right way. And obviously there's a base level of concern that I have with all the players across the league with injuries and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything I see with the Raptors that would take me beyond that base level of concern. Yeah. And I mean, I think the Raptors are pretty safely set up here as well. That where They don't have to put themselves balls to the wall immediately. They're not one of these teams that are four games out fighting to get into a play in. They are three games up on Boston uh, maybe with a game to play against Boston, the schedule is yet to be released. We're not exactly sure how that's going to break down, but if they go with the next eight teams on the schedule who will also be in the bubble, Boston is one of those teams and there's tiebreaker implications and stuff there. But even then the Raptors go three and five in this time, the Celtics will have to go 
six and two, no, eight, three and five. Uh, I don't even know the, 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 yeah, six and two maybe to, <laughs> yeah, math, math on games. Yeah, six and two at least to uh, pass the Raptors for the two seed. And that's just, I don't see three and five really being in the Raptors cards either um, because they're well coached and have chemistry and should kind of hit the ground running where they were before the shutdown in terms of play style. And so, and they're also deep, right? And I think they can kind of afford to, if they want to give Malcolm Miller or O'Shea Brissett or, you know, Paul Watson some run of those early games to kind of get them up to speed. Maybe you can ramp up for the last few games before the postseason, and you can kind of keep guys fresh that way and not overburden them or anything like that. And they're not at like the, the heat or the paces of the Sixers who are fighting for seeding as well and trying to get out of or into a certain bracket. And that is, uh, that's important. You know, the Raptors, I think, are pretty neutral in how all of this breaks down. I mean, maybe you could look at them as being a little bit of a positive, depending on how you feel about the, the lack of home court for the lower-seeded teams or whatever it's going to be. So hard to say what the home court means in all of this because we've never seen a situation like this before. Um, and so it's all going to be kind of new information as it comes in. But I do think uh, the Raptors are pretty well set up here to uh, survive this and thrive a little bit during it because of their depth and because Alex McKechnie is apparently a wizard who's very good at his job. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's always comforting as well. Um, any final shot, any parting shots, final thoughts on the return plan, how it affects the Raptors, uh, anything like that? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered most of it. We got to uh, save some stuff in case, like, for when actual like details come out about the schedule. We'll get into like those yeah. ramifications down the line. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm totally with you. Uh, once, once we have official details on everything that surrounds uh, Disney World and the NBA, uh, I think we can get into it a lot, lot more. But based on the information that we have now, I think we hit on everything that needs to be hit on. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, in light of the protests, I would definitely say that the NBA uh, should be using their platform uh, for the games to send messages, uh, to uh, show their unity in fighting uh, this battle. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, just use every opportunity they have uh, to, you know, let the players use the platform as they best see fit because this is a majority black league and they should be the ones to speak on it. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk of, Oh, is the juice worth the squeeze is the effort worth what we're going to end up getting in terms of the end result. And if they are able to use the return of the league as a platform to further the message that the protest summer has seemed to have begun and some of the change that's already beginning, if they can do that, then yeah, it'll be worth the squeeze. If it's just, you know, coming back and sort of putting it to the side and being a distraction as it were from things that are going on, then I think it's a, a big failure on the NBA's part to put it bluntly. And so hopefully if, uh, you know, part of the plans, you know, along with the health and um, you know, the, the planning of how and when games are played, part of the planning here should absolutely be how are they going to do justice to the Black Lives Matter movement and how are they going to make their voices heard in a way that uh, maybe they've kind of been a little bit lax with in the past. You know, they, they were not exactly you know, cool when the Colin Kaepernick protests were happening and they were, you know, legislating players had to stand and link arms as opposed to kneeling and whatnot. Um, hopefully mm -hmm. they've kind of learned from that and they can uh, really affect positive change because, you know, as much as I'm skeptical of, you know, the capitalist intentions and everything like that, if there is a league that's going to use a return as a positive springboard for change, 
this feels like the one as much as, you know, they have a bit of a checkered past, even going back to like Craig Hodges and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. I mean, this is not a league that's spotless by any means in this. So um, here's hoping that that's part of their, their, their return plan is ways in which they can further the message and continue it on. Cause this fight ain't going anywhere. Um, and it, nor it should it. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Vivek, anything you'd like to promote? Uh, not right now. Uh, around the championship anniversary, they, I'll have some stuff coming out for Complex, so you can look forward to that. But beyond that, you can just follow me on Twitter. I have the Vikram Jacob. Right on, man. Uh, I also don't have uh, much to promote today. I just uh, highly recommend you uh, participate in democracy. That's what we're plugging today, baby. Uh, email your mayors and your city councilors and uh, ask them why they spend so much money on the police and not so much on schools or social programs. That's important. And uh, I sent a long email yesterday to the mayor of Hamilton. And uh, yesterday, the uh, defund the police movement was featured on CTV News uh, from Hamilton. So that's great. Uh, the, the stuff everyone's doing is working. And so can continue on in the fight and do not stop doing it. Um, uh, As far as this show goes for the rest of the week, tomorrow we will finally be concluding the dramatic reading series of We the Champs. I'll be doing the uh, final section against the Warriors tomorrow. Uh, Probably an evening drop as those take a bit of time to edit, but keep an eye out for that later in the day. Uh, later in the week on Thursday, no traditional episodes of the Lockdown Podcast Network this week on Thursday. Instead, every feed will be filled with a roundtable discussion featuring uh, many of the black hosts from the Lockdown Podcast Network talking about their experiences with racism, their sort of thoughts on everything that's going on right now, steps that can be taken going forward. And I highly recommend you tune into that on Thursday. And then Friday, our pal Carlin Gay from uh, FIBA Broadcasting and the NBA Sound System Podcast, NBA Canada Work. He's going to be joining us on Friday to talk about FIBA and how this schedule and the topsy-turvy nature of the next 18 months or so of NBA basketball might affect the FIBA schedule, especially as it pertains to Team Canada and Nick Nurse's involvement. And with all of the quick turnarounds and rest and the Olympics perhaps happening, maybe not. And, you know, are they going to happen in a sort of unorthodox way? All of that stuff is to be considered. And Carlin will be a lovely guest to talk about that. So stick around for that on Friday. And that is your week ahead here on Lockdown Raptors. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Wednesday with a championship dramatic reading of We the Champs edition of Lockdown Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.